0: Welcome to the Retro
1: Blood. You are all my children now. You want to know what happens to an eyeball when it gets You got any idea how much blood jets out of a guy's neck?
2: The dead, the appearance of life. No, it is not the appearance of
1: life. It is life. This is not magic. As you say, I am a scientist. We'll tear your soul apart. Get me back my head. Get me back my head! Hey. Don't be afraid. No.
0: Be afraid.
3: Just can't let them go. Go. Keep the bit of the moors. Alright everybody, welcome to the Retro Blood an 80s horror movie podcast. I am of course your host, James Klein, and we have the other co-host, the man of Mystery, the Man, the Encyclopedia of Horror, J.A. Allison. Is on. The show. What's happening, man? What's up, man? How you been? Pretty good. Pretty good. This is the first episode of the Retro Blood. We are traveling back to the 80s, man. The 80s. What a time. What a time for horror. What a time for horror. What a time for some craziness. And we're going to be talking all about Nightmare on Elm Street. Number one. The original. The original Nightmare on M Street can even happen. So the way that me and uh, Allison are going to be breaking down the show is we have three major categories we're going to be talking about because this is the three major categories we're the most interested in. And that would be obviously the movie where we give our thoughts on our particular movie that we're going to be picking out for the week. And we're going to have two history segments. We're going to have a history segment for metal because both me and Allison are metal uh, fanatics. Of course, Allison, he's a little bit more up to speed on uh, that category than probably I am, so he's going to give a lot of good insights. And we're both really knowledgeable on wrestling. So I thought that'd be kind of fun if we did a history segment of when this movie got released and two um, histories when it comes to metal and wrestling on that same time. So that should be pretty interesting. So we will start it off with the history segment. And we'll be talking history. So this movie, it was released on November 16th, 1984. John, were you doing anything on November 16th of 1984 that you can recall? Oh, I remember that day specifically. Uh, no, I don't remember the day at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, in 1984, uh, I was in elementary school. Nice. And I
2: was probably going to school and, you know, not liking my day at the time, I guess.
3: Were you, uh, were you highly um, awaiting the release of a Nightmare on Elm Street? at no, that time kind I of
4: wasn't watching horror movies at all.
3: Yeah. So I was about negative one at this time. Uh, I would just say a, a spirit in my dad's eye at the time. But, a uh, fun history segment. So when I was doing some my research, on this day, November 16, 1984, in our history segment for Metal, apparently, this started off the uh, Ride the Lightning Metallica concert that started off in Europe on this day. So it started off in Rhone, France. Do You got any uh, opinions about Metallica and the Ride the Lightning CD or tour? I
2: thought you were going to ask me if I had any opinions
3: about Rhone, France. (laughs) No, uh, uh, Ride the Lightning... and eh, maybe a Master of Puppets is,
2: but Ride the Lightning is at least second best. I mean that's a beautiful beautiful album. But yeah, that would have been like Metallica's like Rising Star I guess, you know, like that's the first time they probably the first time they toured Europe I'm guessing and then the first time they started to get big outside of being a local band probably.
3: Yeah, it seems like that time like they so they started off a couple shows in Europe first and then it came to like a couple of shows in America, like Hartford and Baltimore, so I'm pretty sure that's when they were just like uh, getting it started, uh, getting the uh, big mainstream. But it, which is also crazy when I was doing some of my research too. On the same date as they started their Round the Lightning tour, another band that's very similar to how they are too, just maybe a little bit more, very similar but very different at the same time. Slayer. They released a live album, live album on the 12-inch vinyl on the same day as this Metallica tour started. So obviously, Slayer and Metallica, you know, two of the most popular metal bands in history at this time, you know, during this movie, uh, released, nine. One going to a concert, one released a live album during this time. So these were definitely heavy hitters during 1984, wouldn't you say?
2: Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, they're definitely underground. I mean, you know, like, people were mostly listening probably to, you know, I mean, hair metal was probably, it was still good. It hadn't like completely turned to shit yet, but it was, you know, people were mostly probably listening to like Motley Crue and bands like that in the mainstream, but like the metal underground was definitely, the talk was around Metallica, Slayer, Anthrax. had just started. I think Fistful of Metal came out in 1984, which would be, you know, kind of what I would call pre-Anthrax. It was like they're, you know, they they had, uh, Neil Turbin is the original singer on that, so it was you know, it wasn't the Belladonna era that they got into, but it was this was definitely what was coming up, you know, it was like like bubbling in the underground. Um, but you mentioned that Metallica tour, so this is also the last full tour they ever did with Cliff Burton. Oh, okay. Because he died kind of fairly early, I guess, in the in the uh, master of puppets tour i think they toured the united states with uh ozzy in 86 which would have actually been my first concert if my mom had let me go but anyway that's nice. a different story but um you know and, and then when they went back to europe for their european tour he died fairly early into that tour i think uh but yeah this would have been the last full cliff burton tour with metallica as well so it's pretty historic
3: yeah that is pretty crazy now uh now, John, do you think uh, Metallica and Slayer, do you think they were, uh, you know, uh, releasing or coming out on tour? Do you think they were rushing to the movie theaters to see Nightmare on Elm Street 1?
2: Well, I would think Slayer would be, just from their lyrical content, but I don't know about Metallica. I know Kirk Hammett's a huge horror movie fan.
3: Yeah, and then, you know, at this time, too... Um, you know, Russ Craven, he, he had a couple of, uh, success films before Nightmare on Elm Street. Of course, he had Last House on the Left and The Hills Have Eyes. So he did have a name going into making this movie. So it's very possible, you know, some of these bands and, you know, we're, we're uh, looking forward to seeing this movie. It just depends because, you know, later on, you know, later down the road, this became a very, you know, obviously an iconic movie. And it's just pretty crazy that this iconic movie is on the same day it got released two iconic bands were releasing live albums and making their stride so it's pretty crazy how this day is actually pretty um pretty crazy for a lot of like famous um at the time underground bands but obviously very um well known nowadays when it comes to like the the culture because a lot of people who know any kind of metal obviously metallica is one of their favorite bands and you know some people are a little bit more um, knowledgeable about metal we like metal, obviously like Slayer too so I'd say these are definitely some of the biggest bands plus a big movie when it comes to that as well so it's pretty crazy on that date um, so also too we do have some wrestling history on this date and of course like I was saying at the beginning both me and John are huge wrestling fans too so, um, so on this date we had a NWA title match between Ric Flair and Bruiser Brody in St. Louis, how crazy is that? That
2: would have been amazing. Like I didn't. Um, so this is. It's kind of weird because this is. I think I'm pretty sure this is before I actually started watching like following wrestling at all. Like I think in the, and like you know at this point in my life, I really. I don't. I don't really remember seeing wrestling from this era, um, but. Um, you know, this is like pre-WrestleMania Like, think about that Like, this is how long ago this was Like, when this movie came out WrestleMania didn't exist yet Yep um, But, yeah Brody and uh, Flair I mean, yeah That would have amazing I wonder if that's on YouTube anywhere.
3: Because uh, uh, I've become a Brody fan recently Like, in the last, you know
2: Decade or so Because, you know He was kind of Kind of really before my time In wrestling, really But, um, but yeah I mean, that would have been insane Yeah
3: so it actually is on YouTube. That's actually see where I found it. So once, um, once we get this show going, we start promoting it, I am trying to make us like a Facebook and Instagram account. So I will actually post this match on there so everybody can watch it. I was watching it a little bit before we jumped on. And, of course, it had it had everything you look for in a Ric Flair match. I mean, he was getting bumped around everywhere. Um, he was getting bloodied. Uh, it was like a 20-minute match, and of course, during this match, it was actually it was filmed and, and take place in St. Louis at the time. So Brody actually had a different name in St. Louis. He was going as King Kong Brody because there was already a Bruiser in St. Louis at the time. So with a couple of different, a uh, couple of different generations of how you you know a couple of different names Brody went by based on the territory at the time. But you know, obviously, I wasn't born. ...during 1984, so there was no way for me to watch it. I actually didn't become a wrestling fan until 1998. We were watching a lot of the Attitude Era. But from when I was watching all that... Uh, when, ...when WWE released some of their old school DVDs... ...like on the Crockett, on, on w, WCCW... Uh, ...some of those, that's how I kind of fell in love... ...with the older school wrestling. So, obviously during this podcast... A lot of the wrestling we're going to be talking about, a lot of the metal we're going to talk about is definitely probably during the WWF um, golden era. It's probably going to be a lot of during the Jim Crockett era, NWA title fan, title matches, all different territories. So that should be very interesting to kind of revisit all that. And obviously, most of the metal we're going to be talking about is obviously probably going to be a lot of thrash because during the 80s, I mean, besides hair bands, obviously thrash metal was very, very big. Was there... I don't think death metal kind of came along during this era, unless you kind of know anybody. I mean, not,
2: not in, well, there probably was some death metal in 1984, but not, people weren't listening to death metal as far as I, not, like on a mainstream level. they weren't listening to death metal as far as I could tell. Um, but let me ask you a question though, have you, yeah. ha, have you ever, is that, was that the first Brody match you'd ever seen, or have you seen him wrestle before?
3: Uh so, um, I watched him a lot on like documentaries. So I've seen a couple matches. The, the ones I've seen, I think he was in the, uh, WCCW territory, um, at the time. Uh, so I've seen a lot of the, his matches, but, uh, I have, i seen like clips basically. So I don't know if I've ever watched like a full match of his before, but I know about his wrestling style. And I know a lot about his history.
2: Oh, yeah, because, I mean, mean, his matches were, like, some of the craziest shit I've ever seen. Like, I didn't even know, like, you know, I mean, I've seen, like, you know, like, the Crockett stuff where, you know, like, that uh, Magnum TA, Tully Blanchard match in a cage where, like, you know, Tully's, like, covered in blood at the end of it. But, like, Bruiser matches were insane. Like, I've seen, like, clips of, like, matches of him in Japan where he's, like, He's, you know, he's got, like, a steel chain in his hand. He's, like, swinging it over his head and, like, standing in the audience. So he's, like, he's got to be hitting people in the audience. Like, you, I mean, speaking of things you couldn't do today,
3: that's what yeah. you probably couldn't do today. <laughs> yeah, his style is very... I mean, I guess if you related to somebody today, it'd be very close to, like, a Dean Ambrose, maybe, or, like, a Moxley. Um, he would just go around and just start beating up people. Maybe, like, kind of like a Lance Archer, how it kind of like Lance Archer comes off, like, pissed off and you know, just like it's just intense the whole way through, beating up on yeah. people. So he's definitely very influenced a lot of the wrestlers today. Oh, for sure. It, he, he's definitely. You're, you're right. He's definitely
2: a lot. A lot is a lot like that. Like you know, where he just comes out and like, I'm gonna kill everybody, kind of thing. Yeah.
3: Yeah, and of course, a lot of his famous matches was with uh, uh, Abdullah the Butcher. So that that's kind of like the ones that I seen most of the clips of. Um, but, you know, this match, like I said, it was, like, a 20-minute match, which Flair, he was known to go in, like, hours, you know, when it comes to doing wrestling, NWA title matches. Um, and then, of course, you know, during this time, you couldn't, you couldn't lose. You know what I mean? Like, you gotta keep everybody, you know, kind of like your big draw strong. So, of course, during this match, we had some interference by the Crusher. And that's how the, the match Basically got pulled out, so of course Ric Flair was getting beat up, he was about to be pinned, and then out comes the Crusher, interferes, Brody beats everybody up, and then that's how we, that's how we get out, without pinning him.
2: So wait, it, it, it ended in a DQ?
3: Yes. Hmm. Like an interference DQ. So, so what what would constitute a DQ in, in a match like
2: this? Like, you know, when you have, you know, Ric Flair bleeding and Brody, like, beating him up with objects, like, what would constitute a DQ in a match like this, I'm wondering?
3: I mean, the, the guy just basically came in and stomped him and beat him up.
2: <laughs> so I guess interference is just one.
3: Yeah, I guess, I guess during this time you had to have interference actually in the ring. <laughs> right. <laughs> Probably something. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Yes. There was no uh, interference by magic during this one. That, that didn't come until after yeah. the 80s.
2: No, no burned fiends coming back
3: from the dead or magic dolls. No, no, not yet. Speaking, speaking of burnt, though, <laughs> let's get in. To the Nightmare on Elm Street review. Well, before you do that, though, Go there's ahead. one thing
2: that happened that year that's huge
3: that you forgot. Oh, what was it? So in January of that year, so you know, 11 months before. Yeah. Was Hulk
2: Hogan winning the world title from the Iron
3: Sheik in Madison Square Garden? Oh wow! I'm
2: pretty sure. Let me let me double check that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that that's when that
3: happened. So that's when yep. he. Um, that might have been Hogan's
2: first WWF championship. I'm pretty
3: sure it was. Yeah, because he won that right after he left the uh, AWA. Yep. So that was the beginning of Hulkamania. So Hulkamania <laughs> was brand new in 1984. What a crazy year! Like we're gonna be, you know going through this like show and figuring out a lot of 80s. Like there's going to be just a lot when it comes to like metal, uh, horror, and wrestling because this is definitely was a golden age of almost all three. So. That's, it's going to be very interesting going back and seeing some of these different movies, some of these different timelines, uh, reliving some of that stuff. So, I mean, obviously that was one of the biggest moments in wrestling when that, some a lot of the stuff, a lot of the ties turned around, because you know obviously the '80s was pretty much run by Hogan during this time. Yep, especially after this. Oh yeah. But let's start talking about Nightmare on Elm Street one. So, how are we going to be doing this? We're mostly just going to be talking about some of the main characters, plot points, um, some stuff we liked. Obviously, we'll be talking about some of the the more famous scenes, some of the gory scenes as well. We'll also do like a whole overview of the movie as well. Uh, so, we pretty much have about four major characters on this movie. We have Tina, which was the the first blonde that we saw. Of course, she died a little early. We have our boy Glenn which is played by none other than Johnny Depp. Now, this is Johnny Depp's, like, first movie, which is pretty wild to think about. Uh, we also have Ronnie, which was the bad boy of the era. Kind of reminded me of the Fonz. And then we have uh, Tina. I oh, would know. Then we have Nancy, who is the main girl, the main the main baby face, as you would John, during this movie. The main baby face. Yes.
2: She's the white meat baby
3: face, if you will. The white meat. Yeah, she pretty much was. Like, if we actually bring this to, like, wrestling terms. So, she didn't want to have sex during the movie, which is a big thing in the 80s. Everybody in the horror movies wants to have sex. She did not want to have sex with Johnny Depp. I bet she regrets that now. Um, she, she, she's basically the only person who was, like, wanted to actually fight Freddy. Everybody else was just, like, thinking it was made up. You know, she was actually, and she was actually very, like, like, for a girl who was like didn't get any sleep at all, boy, she did have a lot of energy to do that fucking booby trap shit going on. It kind of reminded me a little bit of Home Alone, putting up all them booby traps everywhere. Oh, I was going to get to... Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, we'll get to that. Like, her uh, Roadrunner Wally Coyote traps that she sets up all of a sudden. Yeah, I was like, okay. So, like I said, we're not going to do scene by scene, but we'll get an overview. So, the the scene I do want to bring up, though, which I think is pretty crazy, so... I'm pretty sure that... A lot of these directors. I mean, I could just be guessing here, because I, you know, I need to do a lot of in-depth of every scene by scene they have. But I'm pretty sure, like most of them, make these beginning movies, like some of these beginning iconic movies, kind of knowing that they might get a sequel. Like they always want to leave it like open-ended, a lot, because a lot of the times the first movie is a lot different than the other movies. It's a lot different pace, um, a lot different kind of style. I mean, you could even take like Evil Dead for an example of that. Um, Halloween, like a little bit of an example of that, of how the first movie is way different than the sequels to be. Um, so I thought it was pretty pretty crazy with this one that Freddy in this movie didn't have a lot of lines, but the lines he did were, like, really good. It's, like, very short kind of lines that he did. Kind of like a little... Oh,
2: yeah. yeah, so, I mean, but his character is completely different here than it
3: became, though. Yeah, because so, it... I, 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 you know, here he's still a bad guy, he's still a villain, and
2: later on he becomes like almost like the hero not the hero, but like he's people go to watch Freddy. Whereas in this movie it's still scary because there's this scary
3: burned figure with knives on his hands coming to kill you in your dreams. Yes. Yeah, in later movies he's kinda of like the uh the bad guy that everybody loves. In a way. Kind of like how Michael Myers Turned out to be as well. Um, but, you know, in this one, we kind of see our first him making his glove. So, the, the biggest thing about this movie was to show off his, his glove with knives on him. To kind of make it has the most devastating, I guess, weapon that he uses. So, kind of like we're already branding that like hand knives. Which is definitely worked out because that's one of the most popular um, horror movie weapon Like, of all time is Freddy's glove. Oh, that's iconic, yeah. So... Now, we, for our first character we meet is Tina. So she's the first one that we actually see going through her dreams. So she's in a boiler room. Freddie's chasing her down. Now we don't get we actually don't get Freddie's name until some of the the song, and when the girls were doing like the song about Freddie. Uh, but most of the time he was just the the guy in the sweater with the ripped hand. So the biggest thing was, you know, Tina. She she's having these dreams and she keeps bringing her, the dreams up to all of her other characters. And slowly but surely we can see that everybody else, all her other friends, were having like the same dreams too. So it's kind of like a... They didn't actually want to admit it because they thought it was a little weird at first. But they were kind of like saying like, okay, this is kind of weird. How are we all having connective dreams at the same time? So, and we also get a, a couple relationships. So in these 80s movies... We always had to have kids. We always had to have relationships. So, the biggest thing I have seen when I did some other reviews of 80s movies, maybe you can say this is too, John, is we have two major factors with these kids. Number one, we 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 see who's going to. We can kind of see and kind of predict who's going to die first, but we also going to see that their main focus is not necessarily beating the demon; it's to have sex with one another.
2: But. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. But, I mean, that's the main focus of teenagers, right? I mean, you remember being a
3: teenager. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. So, basically, we, we see that they, uh, Tina and Ron, they're kind of like a couple. So, they're not like a couple that are They're well-known. They're kind of like a hidden couple, I guess, because Ron, he's known to be the bad boy. He's kind of like the bad guy, like the, the leather jacket-wearing Fonz-type bad guy during this time. And they all have like a sleepover together right now, where Tina and Nancy are mostly talk about the dreams. Um, our boy Johnny Depp, Glenn, he's not really having any dreams during this time, but this is actually when we get our first uh, kill scene with Tina. So this scene is where Tina, she's in the, she's going to sleep um, after she had some good old pounding action with our boy, Ronnie. And of course, uh, Glenn, he didn't get none, so he's upset. So during this time, Tina's just stuck in her nightmare. And she's running away from Freddy, uh, from her whole boiler room. And then eventually, Freddy actually captures her. And this is when we get the famous uh, scene in the bedroom with her getting levitated and getting chopped to pieces all throughout the house. So, of course, yeah, this is one of the most being funny things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And um, I remember you know, obviously there's a ton of documentaries about this movie, a ton of like shows and everything, but I do remember how they actually filmed this scene where they said they actually like have like a revolving, um, I think it was a revolving uh, uh, kind of like area they were using. So they would flip over everything. They basically, they would just flip over the scene of the furniture, the bedroom on top and the, uh, the ceiling on that's where they filmed it. So it was pretty, pretty crazy. So, during this, um, the cops come, and this is when we get to figure out that the main cop, whose name is Donald, is actually Nancy's dad. So, during this part, we see that Donald and Nancy's mom, Margaret, they are like, I guess, they didn't actually say it, but they're pretty much like not together. They're like not a, not a couple, but they used to be. And, of course, the cop is like, why were you there, Nancy? What's going on? You should be hanging out with these crazy teens, especially this guy. So the whole police force believes that this Ronnie guy has killed his girlfriend in such a brutal, um, brutal matter, but they couldn't find any murder weapon at the time.
2: Uh, Donald is played by the great John Saxon.
3: Oh, there we go. John Saxon, man. What, what else is he playing?
2: Um, he's been in a lot of, like, genre movies. Um, I remember he was in The Six Million Dollar Man in the 70s, and then he was in, uh, Dario Argento's, uh, Tenobre. Um, he's been in a lot of things. He's a really,
0: really good actor. Um, oh, yeah. He was probably, honestly, the biggest
3: star in this movie. Like, as far as, the, at that time, like, yeah. he
2: was probably the most expensive actor that they had.
3: Yeah, you always going to get one. You know what I mean? You always gotta get like at least one season actor to kind of like put everything, kind of like make everything work, put everything together, kind of give some of the newer guys some uh, some of the reb, as you would say. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like, well, yeah. So it's the he's
2: probably the best. Uh, the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The probably the most. Uh, he was the like the the Hollywood actor that they could get. Because none of these other kids, none of the kids in the movie, I don't really think had hardly acted at all um heather langenkamp had a little bit but um she had auditioned for a lot of things that she didn't get but she but the but she had acted some but i don't and amanda vice who played tina was uh had acted quite a bit but you know it's like you said before johnny depp had never had never been in a movie before i don't think he'd even thought about acting before because he was in a band at the time he was like a musician in los angeles
3: yeah, yeah, I mean, like, this is definitely his first role, because they said they were, inter- you know, at the, even the beginning credits, they said they were introducing him. So, during this time, um, Nancy doesn't believe that Ron, um, he could do that. He can actually kill them, because they, she said to her, the cop, and her, 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 her mother, that they were fighting, you know, with each other, but they wouldn't get out to that degree. But the cop doesn't, doesn't really believe her and wants her to go home and go to sleep. So the whole, pretty much the whole main movie is the, Donald, the cop, wants Nancy to go to sleep and the mom wants, wants her to go to sleep. So they're like, like pretty much their whole main goal of this movie was to get their daughter to go to sleep because they think her daughter's going mad for not going to sleep at all. But obviously Nancy didn't want to go to sleep because every time she goes to sleep, Freddy would try to attack her. So, through all this, you know, they have back and forth with their mom. And this is also when we get the first scene of Nancy going to sleep when she's dozing off in school, which I'm pretty sure we all have done before. I know I have. So, um, so during the scene, when she's dozing off, we get the famous hallway scene of asking for the hall pass. And I really do like the scene, too, because you see Tina in, like, a, a body bag getting dragged across the school. Yeah, I love it. Dude,
2: that scene is so good. Like, when she's, like, in the body bag, and she's, like... And you can see... Well, you can't see Freddy, but I guess he's invisible, but he's, like, dragging her down the hallway, and you can see that big, like, trail of blood like going
3: down the hallway. Yeah, and it's so, like, easy effects to do. Like, you could tell none of that was, like, animated or anything, like they probably would do now. But, I mean, it's just very easy. Just put her in a body bag, drag her past the blood and everything. I did like, too, how Freddy taunted the friends with one of their dead friends. I mean, that's known to be pretty... Pretty crazy there. So, a lot of the psychological game going on over there. Um, of course, you know, Nancy does whatever. I mean, whatever. With all the horror movie, tr- um, characters do. They follow the voices of the scariness. You know? So, I do like the intense where she's walking down the hallway. She goes into the border room. She keeps, um, you know, walking through a lot of hallways to see what's going on. And, um... You know, during this, this is also when she uh, wakes up and gets burnt for this scene as well too. Um, I did. We also got to mention too. uh, The first time we actually see Freddy, and this is when he actually killed Tina, was when Tina was going through her dream and walking down, um, going outside the house and walking around the neighborhood. This is when we get the first full body shot of Freddy, which is Freddy with the long arms. Which I always thought that was such a cool visual. With him with like with like extended arms during that time.
2: Yeah, I mean that's a that's a really cool visual, um, which they reused for it, I believe. Well, I mean I'm sure they reused it many times, but like there's a there's a scene in it where Pennywise has the really long kind of claw arms, which is similar. But um but yeah, this is um
3: but when you when I watched that again, like I hadn't seen this movie in a really long time, so yeah. when I watched it this time,
2: it was amazing how cheap that effect looked.
3: Yeah. But,
2: like, you
3: know, like, we could, like, create that effect today. Yeah, exactly. In like... houses if we wanted to. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much all about the the shot and then the way you, pr- you know, produce the character. Like, if, a lot of the stuff in this movie is very, like, simple. You know, obviously, during this time, they didn't have a lot of... Maybe they may not even have a lot of budget for the movie, but it's all the, the visual and the actual suspense of the actual character himself. Um... So yeah, it's, it's pretty. It's pretty amazing when you watch it back after seeing so many like different style horror movies about just some of the simplest stuff it could be like still pretty creepy. And of course, you know Freddy with his one-liners or his glove is God. Um, you know, different things like that chasing her down. Of course, I did like the the chasing scenes on this movie were a lot different than some of the other movies. So a lot of the times when we watch like Halloween or if we're watching like. Um, Friday the 13th or even well a little bit of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, not so much that one where most of them just kind of like stand around and let the girl run and then they magically appear kind of near them but this movie we actually see Freddy run all the time he's like running everywhere he's like running after Tina running after Nancy this guy's like a sprint runner and I think it's a little bit more like it's a little bit more creative when they actually kind of like run on him and, you know and it kind of brings a little more suspense you know obviously Leatherface did that too but a little different you know Leatherface is a little bit more bigger you know, Freddie looks like he's in pretty good shape. Well, yeah,
2: true. I mean, but that's kind of different. Uh, Leatherface is a sympathetic character, kind of more so than
4: Freddie is. I mean, Freddie's well, as we find out later, spoilers. Yeah. Freddie's a child murderer, so yeah. I mean, he enjoys like he enjoys
2: it. Like you can, like that's the thing about Robert England's like portrayal of Freddie that I like in this movie is that, and in part two, I guess, up, at least at that point, is that. You just get the feeling that Freddy just enjoys doing this. He's doing it because he wants to. Because he likes it.
3: Yeah, that's that for sure. So, moving on. Uh, so, during this time when Nancy is pretty much figuring out that she's been haunted by this character. Uh, we do get the scene where she is, even though she got burnt in the boiler room. And that's how she pretty much woke up. She is still not. She's like kind of figuring out that, you know, there's somebody chasing her, but she still can't help with the doze off. Because this is when we get the famous bathtub scene where she keeps dozing off in the bathtub. And of course we get. Well,
2: I mean, she hasn't slept in a week or like three or four days at this
3: point. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, obviously. She's trying to stay awake, but it's just not, not necessarily working out this time. This is when we get the whole glove to the water. She gets pulled down to the water, and we're just getting more of the, uh, if you go to sleep, I'm pretty much at any time, Freddie will get you.
2: Yes, and that scene, I, I mean, I, that scene, I love that scene, too. Like, well, I mean, I just love this whole movie, obviously, but, like, yeah, like, the scene, like, all the, like, kind of, like, psycho-sexual stuff that's in it, like, where she's, like, you know, sitting in there like, She's kind of like relaxed back in the bathtub, and then like Freddy's glove, he's coming up between her knees, and like there's no way that's by accident. Like that's Wes Craven on purpose, like trying to create that like you know sort of like disturbing sexual element to this whole burger
3: thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then the scene where she gets pulled under, like sp- talking about special effects, like
2: like that, watching that now, no, like with the little bit that I know about how movies are made, like that seems terrifying cuz I, I mean i can't imagine any other way they could have made that except putting it like like a stump person surely it wasn't heather Langenkamp that was pulled under but like put a stump person in like a, like a pool and then cover the top so you can't see the 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 light coming through and then like cut a hole in it to represent where she came through the bathtub but, like, she could have, like, drowned easily making, the, like, filming that scene. Like, oh, yeah. that's just terrifying to watch
3: now. Yeah, that is pretty. Yeah, I also thought it was pretty crazy. A lot of the uh, scenes where it looks like Freddy's coming through the wall or through the bed. Where it just, like, it looks like he's just, like, like, the plastic is holding him down. I think that was a pretty cool visual itself, too. And, like, yeah. obviously, you know, with that, it looks like he's just going through plastic. So, you don't know if he can even breathe in that thing. And, you know, they had to probably do it, like, multiple times as well. So, moving on, like, Nancy, during this time, she... So, her and Glenn... So, Glenn lives, like, across the street from Nancy. And Nancy keeps asking Glenn, Hey, have you had any, like, weird nightmares lately? And Glenn kind of just, like, pushes it off. So, Johnny Depp's character, Glenn, is just kind of, like, I guess, like, kind of like the the laid-back baby face guy. Like, not a lot of stuff is happening to him. You know, he's trying to, like makes sense if his, this girl he really likes that lives next door. He, he, he just thinks he's, she's going through a little bit of troubles right now. But um, when he, like, was visiting her in her room, Nancy comes up with an idea where she just wants to go to sleep and she wants to catch Freddy. But she she wants to, like, see if she can, like, bring something back or, like, try to, like, capture him during this time. Because she's noticing through all of her dreams that um different things can happen so one part is like obviously she goes to the um the center for them to monitor her dreams so most of this movie is actually nancy going to sleep and getting terrorized for Freddy. so during this scene when they're actually going to get her some help in the 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 facility uh, she has an attack by freddie and she actually brings back Freddy's hat During this time. So this is how she knows that she can bring things from her dream into reality during this time. Which will play uh, play off at the end. Over here.
2: Well, right. She goes to the sleep institute because her mom takes her there because she won't sleep. Not really so much because of her dreams at the time, I don't think. Yeah. Um, But this does start, though, when she brings Freddie's hat back, this does start like this really weird... um, sub not a subplot but like a part of the plot of the story that starts to not make a whole lot of sense to me um well it kind of does it it kind of doesn't but like there's a lot of like weird choices that are made by her mom that
3: don't make a lot of sense but we'll get to those as we go well i mean so basically i mean we can get to right here like the mom pretty much she after she cuts home and um you know, she still sees that Nancy's like upset and everything. She actually brings her down to the her basement and shows her Freddy's glove. And this is when we get like the story of, you know, uh, Margaret, Nancy's mom, and a couple other townspeople. Po- they found out about her Freddy's past, where he was like a janitor and he killed about twelve kids. Nobody through the town can figure out who was killing these kids, and they finally figured out it was him and then they actually trapped him well basically they got him arrested and <laughs> I thought this part was just like this, this kind of reminded me of like a WWE storyline where they're like yeah like we, 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 we caught him we got him arrested and then there were some big shots didn't sign the right paper and he got let go it's like okay well fuck that easy <laughs> and then uh, they got let go so they took the law into their own hands trapped him and burned him into a boiler room
2: so does that happen right here? or I can't remember. Does that happen right here, or is there
3: a little bit of time between them? Oh, uh, there's a little bit of time. Yeah, there's a little time between them. You know, pretty much is getting some of the major plot points. Um, because during when she tells her this stuff that she's finally, this is this is the kind of after the the institute where she kind of breaks down with Freddie and everything because. Um, Nancy was bringing up, like, hey, you know, Freddie... Oh, there's this guy terrorizing me, he has a knife, and he's wearing, like, this mesh, like, kind of, like, this uh, uh striped rep- oh, shirt. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's before she brings the hat back, but then her mom doesn't, like, think to tell her or think that...
2: You know, like, she doesn't think that... She doesn't think about it being Freddie Krueger for some reason. Yeah. Like, you know, like, I mean, obviously she... I mean, she has all the reason in the world to think that Freddie's dead, which he should be. Yeah. But she... You know, she doesn't,
4: like, start putting two and two together for some reason, and she doesn't, like, say, well, maybe I should look into this, or maybe I should warn my daughter about this. Yeah. Um, and so she brings back Freddie's hat with his name inside of it, and then she tells
3: her about the, uh, oh, yeah, we killed this guy, you know, 20 years ago or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, so she basically tells her, like, hey, don't worry. Like, I we killed this guy. Like, he 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 is just not, you know, he's not, should be harming you at all. I've already killed him. So not thinking that this guy is using some sort of supernatural power to haunt their dreams during this time. So also during this time, Glenn goes up to uh, Nancy's window. And Nancy during this time is going to find a way to trap Michael. I mean, not Michael. Uh, trap Freddy during this time. I don't know if you about Michael. But she was thinking about trapping him during this time. So, and she kind of, I think she kind of wanted, so this time, now at the end, she has the idea to trap him. But during this time, she just wants to um, figure out a little bit more about if she can like bring him, bring, bring it back or, you know, see if she could bring back more stuff from, from Freddy. So she has Glenn be on watch for her. And of course, this is where we get the scene where... She's walking around, um, and she's trying to, like, find Freddy throughout their whole house. They they end up in a boiler room, and then they fall off. They end up back in her house. So it's kind of like a lot of t- um, jump time scares. But during this time, Glenn would not wake up. He actually fell asleep. So it was kind of like some more um, suspense during that time as well. So we see the, the, the Glenn character not really taking this Freddy part seriously during this time. So. Right.
2: Yeah, at this, at this point, Glenn... Glenn's just kind of trying to help her, but he's he's part of the people who kind of think she's crazy.
3: Yes. And also during this time, I thought this is pretty clever, too. So Ron, he, obviously, he got caught. He's in jail. Um, he's pleading his innocence. He talks with Nancy about how he didn't do it, how he didn't kill her. And this is also, too, when Ronnie, you know, he's telling about, like, I had this weird dream of this guy with the knife, um, you know, with the... uh. With his glove with the knives on him. And also, too, during this time, Freddy kills him um, by uh, suffocation in the prison cell of him hanging himself. So he made it look like he actually committed suicide because he was guilty. So I thought that part was pretty clever of how they killed off the Ronnie character. Yeah, and all that happened while they were at the uh, station. So Heather shows up,
2: or Heather, Heather. Nancy shows up. At the uh, station, and then she's trying to get the deputy to check on him, but the deputy won't. And then at, the, at that very same time is when Freddie's like killing him with that cool effect of the bed sheets. Yep. Which, you know, now obviously that would just be done by computer graphics, but back then they didn't have shit like that. So. They had to like do that with wire or something i mean that, that's an amazing effect so, like with the sheets kind of come up
3: yeah especially doing it all on its own amazing for 1984 yeah yeah i thought that part was pretty pretty creative um because you know uh, nancy is getting also to i guess during her dream she can see maybe different visions of who's about to be died because she did get she did go on her dream to the police station and see freddie taunting ron at the same time too so we're seeing a lot of like connections between all the kids' dreams and everything. So when we move on, um during this time, Glenn's parents do not like Nancy. Glenn's parents, they kind of remind me. <laughs> so they <laughs> the dad remind me of like one of these like dads that just like thinks they know everything. He just like outside looking over to Nancy's uh place. And of course, there's a bunch of bars on Nancy's window now because her mom is just like... Her mom is basically like just a drunk. Alright? She's like a 1984 drunk. And she barred up the windows. And she doesn't want like any kind of like Nancy to get out. Or try to escape. She just wants Nancy to go to sleep. And so during this time, Glenn's dad was like... Yeah, he's freaking... I don't trust that Nancy kid. I don't want her hanging around my son. And of course, during this time... Now Nancy is now figuring out... Like... I need to bring Freddy... Into the reality. So I can stop them. So she has a plan again. To have Glenn. Wake her up. During a certain time. So they can catch Freddy together. Alright. right. of course Glenn is also too like. We didn't get a whole lot of him like. Like we didn't really see a lot of him like not getting any sleep. But. Like, I think it was implied that he was trying to stay awake he just couldn't during his time so when we actually uh, uh break down his scene like the whole thing was like she planned it to be like she wanted to be wake up at a certain time and like she was trying to call Glenn during this time
2: so this is the scene where he she calls him and she says I'm gonna bring him back and then I
3: want you to knock him out yeah yeah that's it right so she's he's, so he's gonna come over and uh
2: not freddy not Freddie unconscious i guess yeah um you know the supernatural killer he's gonna knock him unconscious but anyway so um but yeah
3: i mean i still get the feeling that glenn doesn't really believe her he's he's trying to believe her but he doesn't really believe her yeah he's, i mean i was getting out of in effect too or in his in his uh he's
2: in bed with his tv on his on his uh on his chest or whatever and he's like watching tv and listening to music because remember that's what his, his that's what he tells his mom he's, he's like yeah he's like i'm not listening to it with my headphones i'm listening to music and i'm watching television and he's watching
3: uh no she's watching the evil dead yeah i can't remember
2: what he's watching i don't know if it
3: shows he was he was watching some was like, like um uh, pa- like some sort of like pageantry so you can oh, see yeah, some hot yeah, girls yeah, or yeah, something. Like, I, yeah. He's- He
2: tells his mom he's watching Miss Nude USA or something.
3: Yeah, something like that. And I thought, like, (laughs) so I don't know why this is, like, funny to me. Just the way he was sleeping with that box TV on him. Like, you had a box TV, right? Did you ever sleep with one on the bed like that?
2: No, like, I mean, like, that's a small TV, but, like, I can't imagine,
3: like, putting, like, a tube television, like, on my stomach or whatever and watching it that way. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I just can't imagine it. (laughs) Oh, and there is, speaking of funny lines, uh, we, we were past this, but th- I thought this was kind of funny and it didn't strike me until recent. reset. But, like, when she first start, when Nancy first starts, like, not getting sleep and she gets that gray streak in her hair. Yeah. And then she, like, looks in the mirror and she says, oh, she's like, she's like oh, my God, I look 20 years old. I just thought that was hilarious. Oh, yeah. During this time, uh, Nancy is trying to call Glenn now to... Um. Make sure he's, he's going to get the plan going. And she basically doesn't want him to fall asleep either. So she starts calling up. That's where the dad answers. And she's like, hey, you need a, I need to talk to your, your son and everything. It's a secret. It's an emergency. And the dad's like, no, you ain't talking to my son. He just puts the phone down and puts it off the hook. All right. So now we have arrived at the famous tongue scene. Where, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Where Freddie calls up Nancy. And says, I'm your boyfriend now. And of course, this is, like, one of the most famous, like, scenes um, in Nightmare on Elm Street where he has a plastic tongue trying to lick her uh, out of the phone. So, uh, definitely, definitely pretty wild of a scene. And uh, this is basically where she realizes, like, oh, shit, my boy Glenn, he probably has gone to the afterlife during this time
2: uh yeah he probably
3: has at this point yep um nancy's mom has locked all the doors in the house so nancy can't escape because she is just she is first of all she's off a rocker because she's drunk but she was like a kind of she's not really like a wild drunk she kind of just like like just like a tired drunk or something well yeah i mean i got the impression that I mean, it, it never says this, but I kind of got the impression that everything
1: that they went through with killing Freddie years ago kind of made her, like, start drinking, and then she became an alcoholic, and then her marriage broke up because of that. Yeah. But she has, she has like, liquor bottles, like, stuffed everywhere.
2: Like, she lives by herself, well, with her and Nancy in that house. Yeah. And she, like, hides liquor everywhere. Like, she has one in the closet, and she has one in the bed.
3: I mean, like, I don't know why you would hide liquor bottles from yourself, but... Yeah. Well, the only thing I could think of is maybe she's hiding it from Nancy to not see her drink. But it's kind of obvious that she is drinking, even if she's trying to hide it. That's the the thing I could think of. So, during this, uh, Nancy tries to escape. And then this is when we get the famous Glenn death scene. Where he dozes off in his bed, and he gets pulled under. We get, like, the TV falls with them... A bunch of other stuff falls into the bed, and then we get a freaking waterfall of blood, just spurts out everywhere. Yeah,
2: yeah, which they made by shooting the shooting upside
3: down. Yep, I made. Yep, they did a lot of that in this movie. It was very very creative. You know, I like more creative um, aspects like that. Obviously, you know, a lot of these movies are gonna be going over. It's gonna have very little animated effect. It's mostly gonna be like real life shooting when it comes to that. So, during this, um, obviously the police show up at Glenn's house uh, with Donald, uh, Nancy's father as well. Um, They don't know what the hell happened and how this even happened. Of There's so much blood happening everywhere. But now that they think that there's just some crazy psycho on the loose during this time. And this is when Nancy starts blasting out. Hey, I'm going to get him. I'm going to stop this. She calls up her dad saying, listen... I can get this guy. I just need you to, when I, after, uh, then she sets like a time for him, like around like 12 o'clock. I need you to come here and I need you to, I'm going to bring him back and I need you to knock him out. And of course, the dad's like, he he just like, go ahead. That brings up another point, though. That brings up another point, though. So what she tells
2: him is, she's like, I want you to come over here in exactly 20 minutes. Yeah. Then is when
3: she starts building all those Wally Cody Roadrunner booby traps. Yes. So, like, she's, we're supposed to believe that she built all that shit in
2: 20 minutes and fell asleep and was going to bring Freddie back. And that was all going to happen in
3: 20 minutes. Well, yeah, I mean, like, obviously, so when I was watching this, I was like, I think we finally found out about a mystery. We finally found out who Kevin from Home Alone's grandmother was. It was Nancy. Because, obviously, she knew how to set booby traps and she maybe laid out a formula to give Kevin throughout the years. Maybe maybe
2: I mean that's a good theory I mean that's a good theory those I'm sure those movies are connected
3: oh yeah Um, that's how you connect them all man no problem
2: they're in the same universe
3: yeah (laughs) so uh, after she's done building her uh, uh, terror house of doom this is now when she falls asleep now she also like obviously she set a clock by her as well too so, this is when we... And then, obviously, during this time, too... So, the Donald, like the, the dad, just... He just kind of blows her off a little bit. He's all like, whatever. Like, I got enough shit to deal with. I don't need my crazy daughter talking to me. So, she, he just tells a, a random officer, like... Hey, look out for the house. See if you see anybody come in. While I figure out what's going on with this mess. So, when Nancy starts falling asleep... Um... She, because the scenes of her... Well, you know, walking through the house... Uh, She's walking through, like, different areas of where we've been through. Like, obviously, border rooms, the police station. Um, kind of going through her dreams to find Freddy. And, of course, this is when we get Freddy and her attacking. So, they just attack each other, run all run all through everything. And then, she eventually, after she gets, she grabs them. And she actually brings them, brings them into this uh, reality. And at the time, she didn't think she brought them into reality. Because when she showed up with, like some just some some grass on her and she's in the bed uh freddie's not there so we think for a second like oh crap it didn't work and she's like oh crap it didn't work and then of course we get freddie like attacking her and i thought this was pretty crazy scene of you know freddie jumping on her and stuff and just acting all kind of wild and and pretty creepy
2: yeah i mean that's the way a jump scare should be done instead of it just being like you know weird violin music and then all of a sudden everything just jumps out at you all of a sudden like you that's a really good setup jump scare i mean Wes craven knows what he's doing yeah like he said you know she's laying in the bed or she's in the in her bedroom with the grass and she's like oh it didn't work she's like i didn't bring it back and then she stands in her for a, or it again it kind of lingers on her for a few seconds and all of a sudden he just jumps up from behind the bed
3: yeah, and not only does he just jump up and scare and she runs off, he actually jumps on her and starts attacking her on the bed. We don't see a lot of that nowadays. Most of the time we see nowadays is they, he like jumps up and scares and they run away. We don't actually see like a lot of physical attacking. Right, Exactly so during this she actually escapes and then this is when freddy he just takes bumps everywhere he's falling down the stairs he gets hit by a sledgehammer he's getting burned he's getting like everything i was like holy shit this nancy girl became sort of the fucking punisher all of a sudden like just like fucking all her all, like you know how when you make booby traps some of them don't even work all hers were working like everything yeah, she, she, she came was working from that book she got from the library. yeah exactly yeah because she was reading a book about doing booby traps and boy she learned that hey. quick no, no amateur with her. No, no, they all work. Like she, uh, she
2: puts the the powder from the shotgun shells inside the bulb, the light bulb, and then uh, and it explodes on uh, on Freddy. All of those, all of those work.
3: Yeah, and then when she eventually um, captures Freddy in the basement area, she lights him on fire. Like she, she's really good about getting away from Freddy too. Like, like she. she you got to give her some credit for a girl who hasn't slept in like seven days or something. It's like she is moving around like this is no problem. She must have been like freaking. Now we did see her take a lot of pills. and a lot I did like the same where she had like a coffee, like a home coffee maker like under her bed. Uh, under her bed. <laughs> right, like her mom comes in yeah. and like take her, her coffee cups away or whatever. And then she like gets up and she's got a coffee pot under her bed that's, that's currently making coffee. And I guess her mom didn't <laughs> smell that or anything. Yeah, didn't smell
2: it or nothing. Too much food, but. But she's like,
3: yeah. She's got this coffee pot under her bed that she's using to try and stay awake by drinking this coffee constantly. Yeah. You know, it's black coffee too. Yeah, buddy. Of course. It's on the way to drink it, man. All right, man. I got to have some creamer in mind. But that's another story. So after she lights Freddie on fire, all right, the whole downstairs is burning. Um, eventually she's screaming, banging on the door. The cop, the, I don't know what cop this was, but like she's screaming. And everything the cop just like, why are you screaming? Like he he just not like he's just looking like to say this girl's crazy. But eventually he gets Donald's attention, and Donald rushes over to the house, breaks the door in, he sees all the stuff burning. They try to go down to the basement, they see the fire in the basement, they see some fire footsteps, but Freddie is not there. So eventually Nancy's like, Oh crap, Freddie is probably gonna get my mom. I probably should have locked her door, or got her out of there when I did my plan of bringing him back, but, eh, fuck it. So, then they all run up to where the mom's at, and this is when we see Freddy's, like, on top of her, and then he, like, melts into the bed, with Nancy's skeleton going into the bed, like some sort of, like, crazy ritual thing. And then Donald and Nancy can't believe what they're seeing at the time, as well, too. What did you think about that scene, John? Uh, Yeah, I mean, that's, you
2: know, like, there's kind of a theme, and I'm sure this was a theme in movies probably at the time, or maybe for all time, but, like, so John Saxon, or uh, Donald, is the only competent police officer in this entire movie. Yep. Like, you know, like, he, he, like, you know, the the police officer at the station won't go check on Ron because he's probably fine, and then, you know, he has uh, the other police officer watch... Her house, and then he like watches it, and then doesn't really do anything about it until it's almost too late. But yeah, I mean that whole scene's really good. Like where they're walking up the steps, and then she sees the, the flaming uh, uh,
3: footsteps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's cool. That, that's yeah, that cool. was a that cool thing. Really cool. It's really really good. So after all this is happening, um, you know, like I said, Donald and Nancy. You know, Nancy's like, do you believe me now? And the Donald guy's, like, just still and shocked about everything happening. And then we get a scene of um, Nancy, I guess, waking up like this is all basically just a dream. So she sees her mom again, Margaret. She sees um, all of her friends. They all jump into the uh, Corvette, like we saw kind of at the beginning of the movie. And, of course, right when they get into the Corvette, we get the Freddy Cougar, uh, uh Corvette overtop which I'm surprised they didn't ever make that into a special car that probably would have sold out pretty good
2: It definitely would now
3: yeah it'd be like, I mean shoot I saw some of these Freddy Krueger like Jordans I don't know if you've ever seen these John I don't know if you'd like do any kind of shoe stuff but there's some Freddy Krueger like Jordans out there selling for like $30,000 I was like holy moly I was like okay And of course, during this time, then all the kids are realizing, oh shit, Freddy's still back. Um, He's about to be driving us somewhere crazy. And then we get Freddy grabbing Margaret into the oblivion. And that's when the movie is gone. So kind of leaving it up and end, even though we don't really figure out what happened with the kids to see if this was like the beginning or a dream or maybe um, Nancy's back into a dream. But I'm pretty sure we'll figure out in the Freddy's revenge of what happens to our Nancy because I know she shows up a couple of the other movies mm, yeah she's not not in that one though she's not in two um but yeah
2: so like the whole movie could be a dream like maybe none of this actually happened maybe the whole thing is a dream yep
3: or they didn't kill freddy or who knows yeah who knows so we making good making it uh open-ended which we can see definitely you know so you know with this movie obviously it's one of the most iconic movies um, I really did enjoy watching it. I thought it had a really good, nice pace to the movie. I thought a lot of the uh, scare scenes were really good. Uh, we did have, a, you know, obviously a good amount of gore. We didn't see a ton of, like, guts hanging out and stuff, but I think a lot of the movies, horror movies back then didn't really do a lot of, like, the guts hanging out kind of thing. Uh, we did see, you know, Freddy cutting himself a little bit and seeing little guts that way. But obviously, you know, had a good mixture of blood, a good, good mixture of... Uh, intense scenes and I thought the acting overall was pretty well you know even for like a lot of new actors like uh, a lot of the kids were I thought they did a pretty good job
2: yeah I mean it was really I mean it was pretty good I mean you know like the I mean the movie's great but you know you can tell that you can tell by watching it that like Johnny Depp was gonna be something you know like he was definitely like you know he, he definitely seemed like he was like you know not a kid actor. Like he definitely like had had this acting talent
3: that was going to go somewhere for sure. Um, oh yeah, and you know, compared to like some of the other people that were in it. Yep, and that for sure. Well, there we go. The first episode of Retro Blood has happened. Do you have any final thoughts on Nightmare on Elm Street, John? Um, I mean, I like this movie a lot.
2: I mean, it's the only one. I believe that I've probably ever rewatched very, very much. Like I, like the movies two through whatever they went to, yeah. I don't know if I've seen those ever again since they, they were new. Um, so if we go through and watch those eventually, like, that'll be kind of interesting. But, um, I mean, the thing about Nightmare on the Street, just like Halloween and just like Friday the 13th, you know, that they made all these sequels to, y- y- It's hard now, especially for people who didn't see this first, to go into this movie with the the thought, the way that they intended you to think about Freddy. Because it's hard to go, because Freddy's a completely different character later when he's funny and witty and he's getting all these funny one liners and people are laughing at him. And, like, it just seems like it's not the way this should be or the way it was intended to be. You know, and in this movie, Freddy's still a scary
0: child murderer. Yep. And I like that. I like that better. Like, it's still, it's scary. The horror movie's supposed to be scary, not, not you know, not a comedy to me. I mean, if you want to make a comedy, just make a comedy. But, you know, it, it should be scary, and this movie is scary. Yeah. You know, like, like, you know, you could, I could see,
2: like, watching this movie in 1984 in the movie theater and then going home that you've got to go to sleep but this whole thing is about like oh this guy comes to get you in your dreams so you're too scared to go to sleep that's I mean I could see that happening I mean I think it's pretty powerful it's pretty it's pretty effective it works really well I think
3: yeah I definitely agree with that because um, I, I don't think it was until the third movie where Freddy started to get more of like an animated type of personality like a lot more funny like a lot more jokey type of character um, it, this movie also kind of reminded me a little bit of like how the first Evil Dead was. Where the first Evil Dead, while well, did have comedy spots, was supposed to be a little bit more serious. Uh, we didn't have as much like goofy lines that didn't really happen to the second. So it is pretty interesting to see like the beginning movies or how the characters were, you know, originally portrayed compared to how they were later on. So, but yeah, first episode of Retro Blood Down. Everybody, thanks for joining us. Uh, uh, be sure to check us out again when we do... we are continuing this uh, Halloween trend of Nightmare on Elm Street when we do um, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. That should be pretty interesting coming up.
2: We'll see how that goes.
3: Yeah, we'll see how it goes. All right, everybody. For Jay Allison, myself, James Klein, we'll check it later. And, and be sure to take that black coffee. If not, we're becoming be coming after you in your dreams.